Welcome to the gathering at Adel. Thank you for joining us as you listen to this message. Today's message is brought to you by one of our friends, Steve Henshaw. We hope you enjoy. You know, uh, Elder Jesse, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know Jesse in the physical, but I know him in the spirit. I know his. I can recognize the Bible. You know, when Jesus, when Jesus was was here on this earth when God invaded time and space and Jesus was here and walking among us uh, he was interrupted one time and and they said look you know Jesus your 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 brother your mother your, your family is here and he said he said what what family do i have other than those who do the will of the father and uh, and, and it says to know no man by the flesh and i believe that that, that when we begin to divorce the, the, the being able to take in things through these senses and we ask God to give us the eyes of the spirit and we begin to walk according to the will of God, submitted to the will of God, God will allow us to recognize people spiritually rather than physically. And, and, and that's the way it should be in this body. We, don't, we, we won't see you know, what we're wearing here, but literally God has shown me callings on people's lives and being able to recognize them in the spirit. Rather than in the flesh, and so when you were you were talking about one of the, my favorite scriptures of all time, just because it is such a powerful scripture, uh, "Kingdom of heaven suffereth violence." If you go back to the King James, uh, and the violent take it by force, and you talked about having a forceful spirit, and in, while I was sitting there, the Lord turned me back to uh, Psalms fifty-three, where David. A, a man after God's own heart had found himself after several bad decisions, decisions where he had uh, really practiced insubordination, where he put his will above the Father's will, and he chose sin, and he chose for the situation to serve him rather than serve God. He found himself in front of a prophet, and that prophet said, you're the man, you're the man. And what, what, what we see in David, and this is so amazing what David does, David's response really tells why God chose him to be a, be a king and why God chose that kingdom or that type of kingdom perpetually over Israel. And it's simply this. He, he then turned and he said, Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. That word right is also rendered steadfast. And I really heard the word steadfast. Pastor, when you said it, I heard the word. You said forceful, but I heard steadfast. Because there are times when we are walking in our walk with God and we're desiring the move of God and we don't see what we think we should see and we don't hear what we think we should hear. And it requires for us to be steadfast and not be moved by what our eyes see or what we feel or what we think or what we have presupposed it should be like. But God, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And when you study David out, as I've studied David out, because my desire beyond anything else is to win the favor of God. Now, I know in Christ I have favor, but there's something about running the race to where you win his favor. It's not simply about sitting in the favor that's already been won, but it's about being pleasing. The Bible says that we're poured out. We're an aroma. In our dying, we're an aroma. The Bible says that we are his witnesses. That word comes from the word martyr. 
That in our dying day by day by day, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, we become an aroma that is pleasing to God. In the kingdom, in the kingdom, we talk about kingdom come to earth. We desire for revival. But the Bible shows me, and I see the pattern over and over in Scripture, where there must first come repentance, true repentance, before we see the move of God. Before Christ came to demonstrate the kingdom, there came John the Baptist who began to call people to the repentance so they could receive it. It's not that God isn't here. It's that we've not positioned ourselves to receive it. Come on. And I'll tell you what. This goes both ways. If you hear something you like, you say amen. If you hear something that hurts, say oh me. But receive what God has today as God breaks bread. We walk this thing out and we've desired for God to move. And have you ever questioned yourself why we, we, we're doing everything that we, we think we're supposed to be doing? Where are you? Where are you? We, 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 we've got the, the programs. We've got everything in place. We've got the agenda. We've got leadership in place. We've got everything that we need. And we're just waiting for him to show up. At some point, we have to step back and we have to say, okay, what did I miss? What did we miss as a people? The Bible says that he's coming for people who bear, bear the fruits of the kingdom. We have to have the repentance that brings in the kingdom. We have John who declared that the kingdom is coming. We have Christ who demonstrated the kingdom. And then we have the apostle of Paul who teaches the administration of the kingdom. But in no time does it ever leave the fact that we have to live denied. We have to live our, our lives as dead people. The kingdom is this. If you want to go high, you've got to go low. If you want to live, you have to die. And it's never changed. And I hope as we, we walk into this, I want to I break some bread because, I, 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 man, I, it's amazing how God orchestrates the message of his kingdom as he speaks it across the expanse. Because I assure you that even this morning, as we're breaking bread together, spiritual bread, there are those breaking bread elsewhere who are probably the exact same message is going forward. Because when God chooses to speak to his body, he'll, he'll robe himself in a mantle of a prophet and he'll make declaration. And those who are prophetic will hear. When he robes himself as the great apostle of our faith and he speaks forth the apostolic, will hear. But we have to have ears to hear. And we have to have hearts that will obey. So I want to share with you what the Lord has this morning to share. And I want you just to walk with me. And if you could, go ahead and th throw up the slides, brother. As I was before the Lord, I began to just kind of meditate on, on where he would have us go. And, and as, as we are here uh, at the time when we celebrate Christmas, everybody's getting ready, everybody's busy, everybody's running around, everybody's feeling sentimental, everybody's drinking way too much eggnog. All of that good stuff that goes on during this time of the year. And there's, there is beauty to it. There is. Where the, you know, our kids are getting excited because they may be getting gifts, and I'm getting excited because I get some more socks. So I, I, all, all of that and above. Amen? And like I said, amen or oh my, or oh me even. Throw it in there. But 
But what I find amazing is when we think about Bethlehem, and my mind goes back to a stable. My mind goes back to the point in time when Emmanuel, God in, in, in eternity, robed himself in flesh and chose to walk among us so that we could hear him and know him and touch him and approach him. We know what we found at Bethlehem. My question is this, what did he find? We know that we found Emmanuel, God, in the flesh. And we know from, from Scripture it tells us that the first ones to know were the shepherds. The lowly, the common. They were the first ones to hear. They were the first ones. And so when he came, I know this much, he found the common and the lowly. And then we hear about the foreigners who were coming and the foreigners, they were bearing gifts. And they said, we've seen this star and we come to see the king. No, this was just a little baby that was in a manger. And on this earth, he was never, ever seated as king. That day will come, but they were looking in the spiritual. There's a king that was born here. And we know it. And we've come to see him and bring him gifts. And so when he came, he found searchers. But there's another type that he found when he came. And we see it best in King Herod. He found those who needed to be dethroned. Come on, somebody say amen. He found searchers, he found commoners. But then he found those who were, had their own agenda, had their own kingdom, had their own way of doing things, and they didn't need this, this Nazarene, this, 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 this son of David coming and disrupting things. And so I, I, I would just say that I see myself in every single one of those. I see myself as the commoner. I see myself as the searcher. But if I'm honest, I also see myself as needing to be throned in many areas of my life. And what I know from Christ is this. That when I came to him and he purchased me by his own blood. I know that he vowed that he would be the author and the finisher of my faith. Which means he's going to come to me at times. And yes, at times. He's going to draw me to himself like John and let me lay on his bosom. But there are going to be times when he sets me right in front of, um, of him and he says, you don't know what spirit you're of, like he did with Peter. There are going to be times when he can challenge me and he can say, you're not of me. Either you be of me or be against me, but you have to choose. And it's those times that I find myself quickly, quickly correcting myself. And saying, Father, I, I, I see that I've moved this direction or I've moved that direction. And it's, it's not out of heights that he is going to complete the work that he started in me when he saved me, when he purchased me. And so I, I, I just want to share with you guys kind of some thoughts that the Lord was <laughs> laying on my heart. And, and I, I, as I started thinking about this, I started thinking about, you know, obviously Christmas. I started thinking about all the things that we go through at Christmas. And I started to think about three words that, I, that scare me. And it's right up there. No, go, go back, brother. Whenever we have usually Christmas at our house, there's a lot of gifts that are there. Just to say it lightly, my, my wife has a very giving spirit. And I, I can testify about this. And 
you know, whenever Christmas comes, we have people come in. It's always, man, it's always a beautiful thing to just watch those kids and all their joy. They're just ripping off, you know, the paper and stuff. And her eyes are fixed on their face. Her eyes are looking at the joy that they're going to see when they see that whatever it may be. My eyes are at a different place. My eyes are actually looking at the reveal. My eyes are looking at the box, and I'm, I'm, I'm dreadedly looking for these words, some assembly is required. <laughs> Amen? Did I get an oh me? An oh my? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even say that. that's good, brother. But after I've, I've moved past that initial shock and denial and the myriad of emotions, and I, I actually wrote this down because I had this morning I was sitting there and I was going, I need to pin this. I need to write this down the way it happened. So I'm being very transparent with you. No judging. No judging allowed. I accept the inevitable and then I pick the easiest one to begin the process. And I'm going to go through how I do this. This is going to be great wisdom in my estimation. So what wisdom do I need for that initial selection of the gift that I'm going to have to open up and assemble? Well, it's a lot of wisdom. What I basically do is I look at the outside of the box. I determine what the purpose of that thing is. And from there, I can almost derive, yeah, that, that ain't no big deal. I can put that together. And so I start there. More than once, the outside of the box has been my single guide. It's not always the best way to go. I pick up the box, I look at all the sides, and I'm always grateful when there's more than one angle of whatever it is that's inside the box. Right? Come on, has anybody been there? I, I mean, I, we've bought some crazy stuff in our life, and even furniture that you have to put together, right? Anybody? And, and all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, I've seen the outside of the box. How in the world, are the, the, how can there be that many pieces? Right? So you start laying everything out and you start, okay, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. And so, so I have an agreement with my wife that everything we ever buy will always have extra pieces. Don't question it. It's just the way it is. Now, when those extra pieces are bigger and bigger, now there's probably a problem, right? So anyhow, I finally, I finally commit to tear open a box with an attitude of, I'm going to conquer you. And then I, I, I glance over the instructions, and I just do like a once over. I look at the contents. I look at, you know, the stuff, that I, the tools that I'm going to need, all the stuff that you usually go through. I rip it open. I spill it out, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tear into every one of these bags, and I lay everything out before me. And I realize that everything out before me at some point, he's got to look, what's on, look, look like what's on the outside of the box. The outside of the box tells me what all of this stuff, once I get everything, all the steps, and I put together stuff that sometimes goes into the 50 steps. I don't, I don't advise anybody do that. But you'll go into these steps, and you're like, you have to do this first, and then you have to do this first, and then you have to do this first. But finally, you start going through all of this stuff, and there have been times that I've gotten about halfway through, and I realized that the detailed picture that was on the outside of the box didn't do justice. And I realized that there was more than one way to put this thing together, and that it can be assembled wrong, or so I've been told. These times are extremely painful. 
Because then it takes disassembly to get back to where I was. And I'm talking, when I talk painful, I'm talking like fetal position type of painful. Right? Some of you haven't even been there. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And so I'm saying this to say, to say this. As Christians, every single one of us have been purchased for a purpose. Every single one of us, there is an image or a thing that we are working toward. Every single one of us. Like our example, there is assembly that's needed and sometimes there is disassembly that's needed. I don't know about you, but I've been in, in times of my life where, man, I could just feel, I could feel God just putting this into place and putting that into place. And it felt like I was collaborating with him, almost like he was telling me, here's the next step, partner with me in this. But then there have also been times in my life when I said, well, let me just look at the end picture. Come on. Anybody know Abraham? And, and God says, you will be a nation. I will, I, from you will come a nation. So what does he do? He goes to find Hagar. He said, you showed me the picture, so I'm going to go about it. He shows us what church should be, so we're going to go about it. Come on. I'm going to tell you this. There, we have so many denominations, and this should sadden you. Because every denomination that's here, it's somebody saying, I know how to do this better. So if there was Christ and there was the body of Christ, how do we get so many denominations? Oh, come on. Mm. It's because we decided that what's on the outside of the box isn't quite fitting. Or we don't have all the pieces, and so we put it together. And we say, yeah, we know there's a few extra pieces missing. We'll, we'll figure out where those go at some time. I don't think they're needed. I'm going to tell you this, about putting these on. This is the first time I've ministered with glasses, so forgive me. The possession has been, has been bought. The box is in the corner. It's been purchased, but there's still assembly required. And that's the thing that, as I was mentioning earlier, Christmas time, man, that's the thing that I'm just like, Man, I've got that to put together. I've got this to put together. I've got this to put together. <laughs> and all I got out of this deal was socks. Socks for everybody. You don't have to put socks together except when you wash them. But, but you're sitting there and you're thinking about all of these things. It's already been purchased. But for it to get to its purpose, there has to be some assembly. Oh, come on. Everybody that is here in this body right now, I don't question you at all that you've been purchased. My question and what our question should be is how do we get to our purpose? Oh, no, no doubt he purchased you with his blood. Scripture tells us that. But you and I both know if we will be serious with ourselves, we've not yet arrived. We've not yet arrived individually. We've not yet arrived uh, collectively or corporately as a body. We've not yet arrived. So then, so then what's going on? What, how do we get the stuff out of the box? Go ahead and go to the next screen, brother. How, 
how do we get the stuff out of the box and how do we how do we go from potential to purpose how do we how do we see and and and, and when i'm saying this we need to understand that throughout scripture this is the heart of god do you remember god telling telling the prophet go to the potter's house go to the potter's house and watch how he works with the clay why can't i bring you to your purpose why can't why won't you submit to my will so that I can bring you to the point of not being formed to being formed? From potential to purpose. Well, let the unpackaging begin. You know how we do church most time? And I, I'm not if we can be just straight honest, we all show up still in the box. Right? Now, whenever it comes down to it, like we were, I think it was just Brady was saying it, it comes down to it, and when the kingdom of God really needs to show up, and the kingdom of God is desiring to heal people and set people free, we can't really walk into that because we're, we're still in the box. Now, everybody will look at us and say, well, I see that you, but that's what you're, that's what you're supposed to be, and we're like, well... <laughs> Come back next week. How many times have we made excuses because God didn't move? Is it because God doesn't want to move? Or is it because we can't facilitate the kingdom of God on earth yet? Let's be real. Every single time we see the kingdom of God move, there is an absence of human will. Jesus said, I, the kingdom of God is here. And he could say that because he said, I do nothing of my own. I only do what I hear from my father. When he sent out the disciples, he said, take nothing with you. Don't take your agenda. Don't take your plans. Don't do anything. Go and preach this. And the Bible says they came back and they were astounded. But he sent them off. Unresourced. Whenever he looked around to the disciples <laughs> and they, they said, Jesus, the people are still following us and they want you to feed them again. What did Jesus, what was Jesus' first response? You feed them. There is something about the kingdom of God where God never shows up until he exposes our lack. The blind man, Jesus shows up because the man is blind and in desperation. Come on. He shows up when there is lack. Whenever Paul is saying, I want to be able to walk my walk and I want to be able to be perfect and mature. And I really want to be able to do this by myself. And what does God say? More than your perfection, I want relationship with you to where you're dependent upon me. And what God has spoken to me and what God is speaking to me is that the church has to repent of an independent spirit. Come on. Of an independent spirit where we want to be mature and we want to get things our way. We, 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 just show me what it looks like on the outside of the box. Just, just show me what the picture looks like and I'll get there. And the disciples came to Jesus and said, where are you going? And he said, I'm not telling you where I'm going because you can't go there. Follow me. You, fo you follow me. If I tell you how to get there, you're going to figure out how to get there your own way. And you're going to spend 40 years in the wilderness. Because you're not going to arrive the way that you need to arrive. Oh, come on. And so when we look at it, it's a, it's a mess. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. 
you're going to have to yield yourself to Christ. You're going to have to yield yourself to the one who can put things in the right order. Come on. And that means you've got to unpack a little bit. That's something we don't want to do. We, we want to walk through those doors. We want to put a smile on our face and everything is going good. I ask, well, how's things going? Did you have a good week? Had a good week. No, really, how things going? I'm struggling with fear. I'm struggling with anger. I'm struggling with hate. I'm struggling with lust. But we can't allow ourselves to ever be taken out of the box because people are going to see us unassembled. I'm struggling with fear of approval, fear of man, fear of failure, fear of success. I'm struggling with all these things, so I will not allow you to unpack me. And so we never get to our purpose. We We stay in the place of Potential, and we know, we're looking at every, I'm looking at all of the outside of your box, and I know what you're supposed to look like. It's pretty simple. Christ. Christ. But if I start opening up the box, you're like, oh, 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 hold on now. Settle down. Nothing to see here. Right? So as we, as we begin to really embrace the fact that we've been purchased for a purpose, I want us to really lean into the fact that we see all of these pieces in front of us and we start thinking, where did they all come from? Where did all these pieces come from? If you have your Bibles, turn to John 2, 15 through 17. Scripture says this, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If any man, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. The world is passing away and its lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. I want to give you just a working definition of those things because this is this is the This is the place that we find ourselves in. The lust of the flesh is simply the desire to satisfy our soul's appetite. It's for the situation to serve me. See, a lot of times we we get into a situation and we we want what we want. I I don't know, we probably leave here, we'll go to lunch, and we're probably going to go where we want to go because that's what we want, right? Come on. Oh, me. Who said, oh, me? <laughs> but the, that, that, the Scripture says that this tendency, this reference of I want this, and so I'm going to create a situation or only support a situation that serves what I want. The Scripture says that that is the spirit of the world. The next thing that we read was the lust of the eyes. And it's the tendency that we have to assign value to things and people. Again, the reference is back to the value that that thing has for me. The lust of the eyes. I want what I want. And a lot of us, if I were to ask you, do you have an anger problem? They say, yeah, I've been working on that. 
I believe God's going to give us an opportunity. Because what that stems from is that we desire to be served. And when the situation doesn't serve us or our spouse doesn't show up in the right way or all the myriad of things that make us angry, well, you knew that would make me mad. Is really God given an opportunity to reveal those things in us that aren't like him and he's trying to spread us out so that he can begin to assemble us? We're saying, no, I, 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 and, and, and we see it could be control. Control comes from fear. But where does fear come from? Fear comes from self-preservation, the desire to self-preserve. That anything that's going to hamper what I want or where I'm at or what I'm calling life, I'm opposed to it. And yet we hear the call of Jesus saying, if you seek to save your own life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. And so I want us to hold that piece right there as we're looking at, at where did these pieces come from? Because it's not easy for us, and we're going to hit that last box at the end. It's not easy for us to understand that I simply want to serve God. I simply want to do the will of God. Why is it so hard to chase God? Why is it so hard to do these things? Like our example, there's some assembly and there's some disassembly that's needed. And what, what I find, though, in our Christian walk is there are, we, we, we like to think, tell me if I'm right, we like to think there are things that are keeping us from. I'd like to submit to this house, there is a single thing that's keeping me from. It manifests in many ways. But there is a single thing that's keeping us from our purpose and keeping us from advancing in the kingdom of God. A single thing. And again, we look on the outside of the box. We, we know what it's supposed to look like. So if you have your Bibles, go with me. We're going to hit a couple scriptures here. And then, then, then I, I really want to honor your time, but I really want to honor where I feel like God is wanting to take this. In Romans 8, 28, 30, says this. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Remember when I told you what the outside of the box looks like? We've been predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's what the outside of the box looks like. So when you name the name Christ, the world should have an expectation of what that looks like. Oh, come on. It says this. So it says, be predestined to be conformed to the image of a son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Turn to 1 Peter 2, 1 through 6. Again, what I want us to really get a, a, a handle on is that he purchased us, yes, but he purchased us for a purpose. So, in, go ahead and go to 1 Peter, but I'm going to reference over in Acts. When, when Paul is departing the Ephesians, and he's, he's beginning to give his farewell 
to all of the elders and he begins to give them a mandate. And he says, he says, watch over the flock of God. But Paul gives a mandate and he says, he says, you are to shepherd to all the elders. You're to shepherd the flock of God whom he purchased with his own blood. So if he purchased them and they, they, they are there, they are in his possession, why would they need to be shepherded? If being purchased of God is, is the end game, then why now do we have to walk to the maturity that we're called to to walk in this world as Christ walked in this world? Because simply because you've been possessed or he has taken possessive possession of you, there's still pieces and parts of us that have to be dealt with. So, and also in Revelations 5, one of the most beautiful scriptures, and we've heard Pastor Jeff say this many times, when he talks about in the heavens, they looked and there was no one that was worthy to open the seals. But then it says, oh, but the lamb, the lamb is worthy. For, for it says, but by the blood of God, he purchased for himself a people from every tribe, tongue, nation. He purchased them. And now he gives them to us and each one of us as leaders. And I honor the leaders of this house, those who have position and those who simply function as leaders. Because it is up to us to shepherd them into and build them up into that most holy faith. Where we're all striving. Uh, purchased versus purpose. First Peter 2, 1-6 through 6 says this. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander like newborn infants. Desire the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow up into your salvation. If you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God. You yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built. You're being built. You're being assembled. To a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Finally, in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul begins to reveal the eternal purpose of God. And he begins in verse 6, that this grace was given to me the least of all the saints to proclaim the Gentiles incalculable riches of Christ. And to shed the light of all about the ministration of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things. And he says, this is that God's multifaceted wisdom may be now known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavens. Let me say that again. To proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ. To shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things. And then he says, this is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. This is according to his eternal purpose. So Paul continues in chapter 4 and he begins to elaborate. He talks about the multifaceted wisdom of God that's going to be pronounced to the lawless angelic beings. And it's going to come through the church. And he's revealing this. But he says there's a way. We talk about the what so much in church. Let's talk about the how. He goes into verse into chapter 4 and he begins to talk about and elaborate on the multifaceted members of the body of Christ. All the different members that are in the body. 
And when it properly functions, it continues to grow up in all things into the fullness of Christ. And again, this is the outside of the box. This is what we're striving for. If you're striving to come here just because you need a pick-me-up, don't do it. You didn't read the small print. You've come here to die. You've come here to lay down your human aspirations. You've come here to claim that there's a reality outside of just the functionality of life as we know it. So if somebody sold you a different gospel, it's a different gospel. But Jesus said, count the cost. And he said, if you come to me, you must partake of my nature. And we're going to get into exactly what that is. What is the nature of Christ? What is the high calling of Christ? What is the suffering of Christ that we're called to? That we would reign with him if we suffer with him. It's the single prerogative of the church. Not my will. But yours be done. It is the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. The mark of the high calling isn't to to don the biggest stage in America and have 2,000, 3,000 people in your church. That's not the mark of the high calling. The mark of the high calling is to become dead to men but alive to God. The mark of the high calling is to find your place at Gethsemane, pour out your spirit. And say, Father God, I will co-labor with you so that we can birth a nation. The mark of the high calling of Christ is to be suspended between earth and heaven as if you are worthy of neither. But in that very posture of dying, you're setting your foot upon the very skull of the serpent and you're crushing his authority. And the Bible tells us as the word of God. The Bible tells us as the church of God that our feet have been shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Let me tell you something. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is dominion. It's dominion in the kingdom. It's dominion in the spirit. And if you're not walking in temperance, if you're not walking fully controlled, I'm going to tell you that you've got to take several steps back. There's got to be a disassembly of the things that you've concluded. You've got to take a few steps back. Church, as we know it, this, even this setting, I, 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 everybody that's here, I know you're here for the right motive, but the right motive does not bring the move of God. Even the way that we do church nowadays, it's so different than what we did it in the first century. First century, they'd gather in a circle and they'd minister one to another. We decided that we needed a, a single man to follow. There are many like this house who have elders, elders, not a single person to follow, but elders, and that's biblical. But every single one of us are called to Christ's likeness. I should be able to go to every single one of you and hey, you have Jesus on tap. How did we get so divorced from what he's called us to? And so I, I, I think, I, I think I'm, I'm really chasing this. And I want to share it with you and I want to break the bread with you. And we're going to go completely off script here because I feel that. When me and my wife, we've passed, we've passed her to church before. We've been in ministry of all kinds of different sorts before. And what I found... What I found is that the form and the formality and many times the agenda always opposed the move of God. And we were so concerned about 
presenting a service that people would enjoy that we literally failed to equip them. And so finally, I just laid before the altar and I said, God, show me what I'm doing wrong. You chose 12 and you could have had thousands. Right? So we poured ourselves out and we began to seek the, the face of God. And God began to pour into me that you've got to chase my face. And it can't be what people think or people feel or what people want because people are self-destructive. We all have inherited. And this is, this is the point of the whole message. That when we come to Christ, we don't come to him as Adam came before he fell. We come to him broken. We come to him with an insubordinate nature. We come to him with our flesh fully intact. Yes, you did come to him. But just as you are, are now have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you have flesh that is still imprinted by Adam. And so we look around and we go, wow, I, I thought once I said yes to Jesus that all these giants would be defeated. We look across the landscape and there's still giants in the land. I thought that whenever the man put his hand on me and he prayed for me that all these things would be gone and I'd be delivered. How come I'm still struggling? The church must begin to ask these questions. And if it indicts the church, so be it. If it indicts us leaders, so be it. When you become so desperate from a move of God, you don't listen to what anybody else is saying. You've got to have him as he is. And what I found is I started going through all of Scripture. And if you would go to, go, you can go ahead and take it to the next slide. Because I'm going to reference it. As I found, as I went through all through Scripture, I looked at, at, at the garden. And I began to really focus on the garden. And I seen that in the garden, we not only have the fall of Adam, but we also have the casualty of the fall. And when you look at it, you realize that it's very simple. God said, this is my desire in this situation. Man said, I know what you want, but I want this. And in that moment, man, man became insubordinate. In that moment, he spiritually died. Now, the first Adam, is, as, as, as Paul talks about in Romans 6, is countered by the second Adam who came, and he did exactly opposite. He said, I hear your will, and I will obey your will. So from the first Adam, we receive death. And even now, even now, death is working in our body. My, unless Jesus Christ comes back, this will return to dust. And in my flesh, if it's unchecked by the Spirit, I will have an appetite that hastens that death. Does that make sense to you? I will desire the things that bring upon itself death. And even though it's what I, well, it's what I like. It's what I like. Come on. But we have desires in the flesh that are counter to the desires of the Spirit. Amen? And so what the Lord began to break in front of me is, is this, that that insubordination that occurred in the garden. We said, well, when the fall happened, we all were impacted by the fall. Oh, it's, it's far more insidious than that. 
when the fall happened, we were all imprinted by the fall. Which means that you and I outside of God are capable of the worst things that you can imagine. And this is why the great apostle Paul, Paul said, I die daily. What do those words mean? In every situation, I have a situation that presents itself. I want to do this. I refuse to walk according to what I want. I submit myself to the will of the the kingdom and the, the order of God. And that's what I choose to do. So I deny myself and I embrace the will of the Father. Isn't this the entire declaration of Jesus' life? It says in Hebrews, in the volume of the book it's written of me, to do thy will, O God. And then it says that though he was a son, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. The suffering that we will do and that we're all called to, you, unless I don't see it, there's never going to be a time when I grab a physical cross and I suffer like Jesus did. There'll never be a time when I physically suffer exactly like that. As best as I can tell. So when it tells me that if I suffer with him, I'll reign with him, it comes down to a very finite proposition. To deny the thing that I want to embrace the thing that by nature nature, I don't want. I have to choose to die to self-ambition, to self-dreams, to the aspirations that I may have in order to live. This is Christ. This is the suffering that all of us as Christians are called to. To deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. Now, when we see it on the page, it, 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 it seems like it goes over our heads. But what this really means is that when I'm in the next situation... It presents itself, and I don't think I like this. Come on. How many been there? I'll, let, me, let me just, let me, let me, can, can we go to the end of the book? You're going to be there even today. Even today, there's going to be a chance for you to rise up and say, I don't want that. I want this. There is your perfect time to step back and go, whoa, 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 whoa. And check yourself and see if inside of you, There is the desire for the thing to serve you. Because this is what I found. All throughout Scripture, you see Gideon. God dealt with Gideon in an amazing way. You know the Scripture. If you'll give me about 15 more minutes and wrap this thing up. Can I have that? Okay. Can I have that? Because I don't want to abuse your will. We see... Gideon, and the very first thing that God does is the angel comes and the angel's going to pronounce judgment because they had went after the, God, the, the, the foreign god. But what we see, though, is Gideon is hiding, self-preserving, in his own father's wine press. But Gideon has enough, enough mindset to know, hey, angel, it don't look like the outside of the box. This situation we're in, it don't look like it's supposed to look. And so what happens from that point on, the Spirit of God begins to draw this man outside of self-preservation into a place to where he's in full obedience, and he says, your will, not mine. 
And, and, and even scripture tells us that the angel calls him a man of valor before he was ever demonstrating himself as a man of valor. In other words, I've seen the outside of the box and I know what you're supposed to be. So I'm going to walk you through a few situations here that's going to expose the delta or the gap and we're going to work on that. And then God graciously takes Gideon and he begins to walk him through in grace to the point to in chapter 7, his name has changed. What does his name change to? Anybody know? Jeroboam. Jeroboam. Do you know what that means? The word Jeroboam means he that contends with Baal. So he went from this guy who was cowering down, who was afraid, who was basically saying, I'm going to self-preserve, I'm going to serve my own intuition, and I'm just going to stay here, and I'm going to stay out of everybody's business. Leave me alone. I'm going to do what I'm doing over here. Everybody else can do what they want. I'm right here. I'm good. But then whenever there is this confrontation with the Spirit of God, he leans into it, and he has an identity change to where he's no longer cowering down to Baal and Baal worship, he's commanded by the angel to go and tear down your father's Baal. Tear down the altar that your father has to Baal, resurrect an altar, redevote yourself to Jehovah. Come on. So the very, very place that we have to begin is to realize that, that, that if, if, if fear or anger, all these things are rampant in our lives, that's the fruit, but there's a root. There's something that's causing it. We see him as he walks forward. Scripture says that God draws him out. And everybody knows the story. Takes him down. You know what he does? He's a pretty smart guy. He says he blows the horn. And he says, you know what? We're gathering people together. I'm ready to fight this fight. But as usual, he wants to fight it on our terms. Don't we always like to walk into the situation in a point of strength? Every one of us do. I, I mean, even with my wife. If I, have a, if I have an argument with my wife... I count the cost and I make sure that everything's in order before I come to her and say, you know what I think? Come on. This is my lovely wife over here. She's rolling her eyes. Yeah, whatever. But that's what happens, right? You make sure that you have the strength to accomplish the task. I know I'm right. Brady, I know I'm right about this. And Brady's going to say, yeah, I'm not going to say anything at all. You're on your own, brother. But we want to be in the point of strength. We want to be in the position of strength. He had 22,000 people that were going to go to war with him against the Medians and the the Amalekites. And what did God say? You got too many. (laughs) No, I don't. I seen the outside of the box. We're going to put a whooping on them, and it's going to be good. Let me do this my way. And God says no. And he says, you know the first people I want to send home? Those that are afraid. Sent them home. Then the next wave came. He said, you still got too many. He said, go and look how they drink. And I will, I will show you who I want there. He got all the way down to 300 and God said, yep, that's enough. <laughs> Paul said, if you'll remove this thorn, then everything's cool. God says, no, no, no. I need for you to embrace weakness, lean into it, because I'll reveal my glory, and that's the way it's going to be. But that's not the way we want it. That's not the terms we want. We see David. I want to just share just some insight on David. We, we, I talked about David when he penned 
Psalm 53. But David, when we first see David come on, he was drawn from the heels of shepherding sheep. He entered the battlefield as a servant. King David, the warrior, came to the battlefield and he was going to serve his brothers. And in that posture of being a servant, Brady, he hears an opposition to the God of Israel. But being in a position of being a servant, this ain't about him, because that's the way a servant's heart is. It's not about them. It's hard to offend a true servant. It really is. It's hard to make them mad. But they're a true servant. Why? Because it's not about them. It's not about them. It's all about him. So David walks onto the battlefield. He hears this, this defiance of God and the kingdom of God. And as a servant, he's able to respond according to the kingdom to the battle. Everyone else was where? Including King Saul. Hiding. Self-preservation. But the one who was selfless heard the call to the battle. He went to King Saul and he said, King Saul, I want to go out and fight this, this guy. He's going to go down. King Saul said, well, I'll tell you what. If you want to do that, do it like I do it. Here you go. Try this. David said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. All I need is God. You see, because there was a bear. And there was the lion. And he begins to reflect on the works of God. Not his own works. Not his resume by any stretch of the imagination. Not his pedigree. pedigree. Nothing about that. But David says, the same God that delivered me from the bear and the lion will deliver me from this one. And so here's God, and I want you to hear this. Here's God so desirous to come upon the battleground. But he needs human agency. God, never, God will never interrupt your relationship. He's got to have somebody that's there to be that horse that he can ride into the battle. And so he was looking, and this is you, you said it, Pastor. You said his eyes move to and fro over the whole earth, and he may strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. And this is the desire of God. God wants to invade our circumstance. He wants to invade our churches. But there is nobody who will empty themselves of their own self-will enough for him to invade them and present himself on behalf of the kingdom. So the question to us today is that. I can speak of Christ. I've already hit on Christ, so I'm going I'm to continue. I want you to throw up this last slide because I'm really i going to wrap this up. Not the last slide, send it to the last slide. I want to share this with you. And I, if you need to lean into it, I want you to lean into it. When I was pastoring at Union, I told you that I'd, I'd laid prostrate before the Lord for several weeks as I, f I felt that there's a, there was something that was holding us back and I, I couldn't put my finger on it. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, I, there was just something, there was something hindering where God was wanting to take us. And so on one Wednesday night, I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I asked everybody to grab a piece of paper and I said, I said, I, I want you to write down, don't put your name on it, but just write down whatever it is that's keeping you from getting there. 
keeping you from your next step in God, keeping you from advancing. Because what I really desired as a minister, I wanted not to just be shooting shotgun every Sunday morning. I wanted to go after the things that were keeping the people down. And so I decided, we, you know, so I said, I said, bring them all up here. And I began to kind of walk into some of the teaching here. But the altar was filled with these pieces of paper. And I, I said, I'm going to gather them. And then I'm going to look at them and I'm going to present to you where we need to go and what we need to go after. And as you look at this, and if I could ask, fear, who here would say that fear has at times paralyzed you? Look at, thank you for your transparency. That fear had stopped, you knew what God was telling you to do, but your fear of approval, your fear of failure, your fear of men, your fear of, of, of get missing it, kept you from the battleground. Then there were those who said, guilt and shame. Come on, guilt and shame. I want to raise my hand on everyone. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you right now. Selfishness, that was really starting to hit when people were recognized. My selfishness does not allow me to mature in God. My own selfishness. And finally, there were some who said, I'm weary. I'm tired. I'm tired. The Lord began to show me the common theme of all these hands. And then he, he, he took me as he lovingly does. And he said, The coin, the flip side of all of these is your desire to serve self. And here's how it resonated with me the greatest. We moved down from Michigan. I still had my job. I had a wonderful job with Consumers Energy. The deal that I made with them was I was going to get to live in Texas and, you know, do work that kept the cold people warm up there. I thought that was a pretty good deal. Well, when I got down here, see, we can make our plans. And we can decide that we're going to do a certain thing or this or that. But my Christ, at 10 years old, when he filled me with his precious Holy Spirit, he vowed that he would be the author and the finisher of my faith. And he said, I'm never going to leave you and I'm never going to forsake you. And what that means is that I'm not going to forsake the purpose that I have for you because that is life. And you're gonna, there's going to be times when you're going to veer this way. There's going to be times when your appetite, when your self-serving is going to. But I, I, I'm going to address that. I'll deal with that. We got down here. Some of you know a little bit about this, but we got down here. And the, the, basically the company said, listen, we kind of changed your role and you really need to live up here if you're going to have that role or else we need to part ways. And I said, well, that really wasn't the deal we made, but, you know, yeah, I guess we're going to part ways. Well, they gave us a, a, a volunteer separation uh, package and we walked away from that. And, and then I began to walk into a season of my life I've never had where the bills were paid, but I wasn't working. And so I was really struggling at just... 
enjoying the Sabbath that God had given me. And, and so much that one, one day I was out in the back patio and I said, God, I, 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 I'm not okay with this. I feel like I'm failing my family. And he said, son, you worked for this much time. You've put up this much for this Sabbath. Enjoy the Sabbath. Your, your hands did this, so just enjoy this season. And then I went to an AGA conference, and it, I was, it was at midnight. And please, just indulge me. It was at midnight, and I, I, you know how sometimes sleep just won't come? And your mind is just flipping, and it's turning, and, it's, and it just you can't rest. Your spirit won't rest. And so, so about midnight, I said to God, what, Father, what, what's going on inside of me? And, and, and I had this in the backdrop of my mind, this word, these two words, what if? Well, what if I don't find a job? Well, what if, what, if I can, what if I can't provide for my, what if? And this ministry of what if just began to really find its way into me. And so I began to say, Father, you know, what's going on at 3 o'clock? I, I just woke, woke straight up and I said, enough, enough, enough. I, I clicked on my iPad, and I was just going to saturate myself with some worship music. And immediately, I, I'm greeted by the scripture that says, Philippians 4, 6 through 8, it says, Be anxious in nothing but in all things. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. It says, Make your prayers and your petitions made known to God. It says, The peace of God. The peace of God is mine. I obviously didn't have peace, but I was desirous of peace. I was wanting peace. And here's what the Spirit of God told me that night. This revolutionized my whole way of walking before God. I said, okay, I hear what you're saying in your scripture, and so I am making my petition and my prayer made known to you in thankfulness. The very Spirit of God stopped me and he said, you need to repent. And I thought, I, I'm missing this. This is where you come in and you grab me up and you say, it's going to be okay. And he says, you need to repent. He said, you have assumed the role of your resource. You're, you, you are, you're, 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 and it's funny because your emotions are telling on you that you're not who you're trying to assume to be. It's like when David counted the troops. I, I assumed the role that I was the provider. This is up to me, that I need to do this. So the very Spirit of God came to me and it stopped me right when I was moving into worship. And he said, whoa, before you come any further, David, you're not going to go to Shiloh. We're going to deal with you on the threshing floor right here. Ordnance threshing floor. And I'm going to deal with you as a son. And he said, you have to repent because you are insubordinate right now. You are not your own God. You are not your sustainer. You are not the lifter of your head. You are not your provider. So why are you assuming this role? You are insubordinate right now. 
and it just, I fell to the floor. And I repented. And I said, Father, forgive me. Because I've taken this role and I've taken on the worry and I've taken on the fear. And, I, and I've allowed the enemy because I've come into alliance because I just now counted my own troops. And I said, I'm going to depend on my own troops instead of you, my salvation. I allowed my circumstance to break my, my gaze at Christ just for a moment. And in that moment, there was fear. There was anxiety. All of those things. But what the core, what the root was, is that I had grievously committed idolatry. The word Baal, the word Baal means Lord. And here's where God gave me instruction today for this house. Every single one of you raised your hand just about on fear. Just about everybody raised your hand on guilt. Just about everybody raised your hand on, on all the things that we had up here, selfishness. I'm going to lay before you that it's not fruit that we need to try to pluck off. It's a root, and it's the root of insubordination. We're fearful because we want the situation to serve us, and when it doesn't, we go and hide or else we try to control. But that's us playing God. That's us being insubordinate. So I want to submit to this house we want the kingdom of God to come. We are desirous of his move. If you would, brother, start, start, the, start the music. And I'm, I'm going to close with this, but I, I want to I ask if anybody wants to come up and they want to come into agreement with what God has revealed today. Don't fixate on your reaction to the circumstance. You're reacting because you are wanting control. So it's not about the situation not being the way you wanted it or that person not acting the way that you wanted them to or any of that stuff. That's the fruit. That's just fruit. And we get so distracted by fruit. And you know what happens when we pick on fruit? We're pruning the issue. So you agreed with me that you're not where you want to be with God. I've revealed to you, and I absolutely see that we're distracted by the fear, by the weariness, by the guilt, by the shame. When it ultimately, ultimately, what it comes down to is it comes down to I still want my way, I still want the thing to serve me. And so I, if this has resonated with you, here's what I'm going to say. I want to ask this house to each one of you individually to begin to purpose. That in your heart, conclude this fact. That the purpose will only be realized when the process is embraced. Only when the process is embraced. And we've seen the outside of the box, and ultimately we are to conform to the image of Christ. That means to be submitted and surrendered. I want to encourage you as we go forward to this new year, allow yourself to be unpacked, unpackaged. 
allow those things that you've hidden. If I, if I were to do a survey here and I'd ask how many men here are dealing with pornography, the very first thing you'll say, I ain't moving, I ain't saying a thing. That's self-preservation. And you choosing what you think is life or preserving or hiding, trying to conceal because what would people think if? That very action of trying to save your life, you're going to lose it. sacrifice he wants our obedience it's because if we're sacrificing we get to choose what that is my will is still intact I can choose what I'll sacrifice but if I obey then I've sacrificed my very will and so the the Christ the one that we say that we desire to be like you we desire to be like you we want your kingdom on earth there's no king's kingdom that doesn't have the rule and the authority of the king. And he's saying, now give me the right to rule you. Give me the right to rule you. I'll do it for your good beyond what you could ever do. Left to your own devices, you will find death. But if you'll turn now, if you'll turn now from what you call right, and you'll seek me, seek my face. So those two things. Self-preservation, self-promotion. Because I assure you, what you think is holding you back is just a shadow. It's the fruit. It's not the root. This is the root. This is the root. The fruit is the fruit of fear of men, fear of failure, fear of rejection. Name it. The root of the fruit is idolatry. It's self-preservation. It's self-promotion. We must wage war against our desire to be served by people and circumstance. And then finally, the last thing is we have to understand what the art of true intimacy is with the Father. We have to spend more time with Him with all our pieces and parts. And He can say, okay, well, that's, that's of the nature of, of Adam. <laughs> no, that needs to go away. That doesn't belong. Remember Jesus talking about those thieves who came in and they sowed tares among the wheat? That part don't belong. This does belong. Go ahead and play that over again, Jeff. 
I had two, two, two weeks ago, Friday, I was here and we were in intercession. And I had a, like an open vision or whatever you'd call it. But what I seen and I shared with, with the people that were here. I seen this man beautifully dressed. Tails, whole nine yards, picture perfect. You talk about a Hollywood leading man, no, none of them would touch this individual. And then I seen him embraced with a woman. Her, her garments were red. And they flowed. And I watched him as they danced on the dance floor. Almost effortless, effortlessly they were dancing on the dance floor. Pastor Jesse, I watched the man and his eyes were fixed fully on the woman. But as I watched the woman, her eyes weren't looking back at him, but rather there was mirrors all around the dance floor. And she was so enamored at the setting, at the situation, at the thought and the feeling of being in love, but not actually, not actually there. So she was more married to the optic of what was happening on the dance floor than actually dancing. And the Lord told me, he says, my church still doesn't understand intimacy. Because she's in love with the setting and not the stage and not the stage master. She's in love with the feel of the worship. How it looks, how it moves. But she has yet to find my gaze. We were right here. Angela in the back begin to lead us in repentance. Amen. I know that you want to do amazing things for God. I believe that some of what I said and understand every man is flawed. If it comes from here to here to here, I filtered it in ways that you just go to the source and help you walk better. But I believe that God will predispose the word that's been spoken. So anybody here, anybody here who wants to leave here, but is there anybody because I don't want to miss this point is there anybody who says you know what what you were saying resonates I want fear gone and that's usually how we're I want fear gone we've always been just trying to deal with things better deal with it better the fact is it's the fact that we're trying to serve our own self side of that self-serving spirit. Desires for things to be our way. If not, I'm either out of here or I'm in control. I'm going to get angry about it. But it's that we desire for the situation to serve us. If there's anybody here that says, listen, that's me. You're, you're talking directly to me. I want the fear gone. I want the anger gone. I want the lust gone because I, I want the situation to serve me. And they were created to serve their father. And I've interrupted that in selfishness. I want to be free. 
If you want to be free, your freedom comes by being enslaved as a bondservant to Christ. If you want true freedom, if you want true deliverance, shackle yourself to that thing called the obedience of Christ. Is there anybody here? Understand, the next step of this is he's going to allow situations to come up that you're not going to like. He's going to give you opportunities, but what he's going to do now is say, remember what you said back here? And we think he's setting us up, but he's not. He's revealing our nature and our tendency to us so that we can deal with it. So that we can deal with it. And you're not alone. You're not alone in this. Most everybody here knows the story of Peter when he. Jesus said, you know, I told you guys. Go. Take no sword. He said, but now I'm going to tell you to take a sword. Next setting we see is in the garden. Peter's taking out that sword and he's cutting off the ear of a centurion. You think, man, he was set up. I've thought that before, Brady. He was set up by Jesus. Jesus set him up. Circumstances are revealers. You're dealing with fear. You're dealing with anger. Don't 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 allow the enemy to come in and condemn you. Realize this is an area and opportunity where you can become more Christ-like. Amen. So I want everyone who raised your hand, every single one, I want you to understand God seen your commitment to lean in to look like what's on the outside of the box he's going to begin to unpack you he's going to begin to put you out there he's going to show you what stays and what goes I want you to have the courage to walk that out and if you don't come come to me come to Pastor Brady come to come to Pastor Jeff and, and we'll help you walk that out so that you can see what soul and what spirit and begin to really hone that discernment amen I want to thank you for your patience because I knew this was going to be kind of a hard word uh, and it would take me a little, a little bit of time to be able to deliver stand your feet Father God we honor you we honor your word I thank you because you are working in ways that we could have never imagined you're doing things on levels that we never could imagine you're arranging circumstances you're calling our own Pharaoh out to the battlefield so that you can forever drown him. And sometimes he looks a whole lot like us. But that's for our deliverance and it's for us to be able to be delivered into our purpose. So Father God, you are the God of purpose. We ask God in this new year that we're fixing to celebrate and kick off, we do desire your kingdom on earth. We desire for you to be here. But I absolutely believe you're never going to split the skies until you come as a thief in the night in the hearts of your people. Invade us. Invade our plans. Invade our ways. You be God. In Jesus' name. You're dismissed in the good Lord.